Hello, and welcome back to the Michigan Bowling News Podcast. I'm Rob Plouffe, and this is podcast number two. So I decided to start doing this podcasting, and after a little investigation, I realized, well, I really don't have the equipment to do this, so I'm still going to try. This is my first attempt with a actual microphone, and um, we'll see how it goes. So um, I want to give you a little history of how I got to this point. So this is a little, maybe a little bit of Flint bowling history from my perspective. Um, I started bowling at uh, Blue Jay Lanes probably sometime around 1974. Uh, I think Blue Jay Lanes actually opened in the late 60s, 68 or 69 to be exact. And uh, for those that don't know, Blue Jay Lanes is currently Richfield Bowl. It's on Richfield Road. And um, it's roughly about a mile away from, maybe two miles away from where I grew up. I grew up over by Kersley High School. So my bowling career started at Blue Jay Lanes, and it started in an after-school league. And uh, I'll never forget, my coach was Connie Hallwood. Connie Hallwood actually taught me how to bowl, and uh, my parents were a little involved in bowling at the time. And my mom actually was the one that became the serious bowler probably uh, late 70s when she decided to get serious about it. And uh, my mom was actually a pretty good bowler. And then she got involved in uh, like the Women's 600 Club, um, some other tournaments and stuff. So my mom was kind of the one that maybe pushed me towards getting involved in it. But Connie Hallwood was my my first actual coach that I could say taught me how to bowl and uh, still in contact with Connie to this day. And uh, she still remembers me from way back when. So I bowled in after-school leagues, mostly through the 70s. Um, maybe towards the late 70s, I actually started bowling on a Saturday morning league. And uh, I vividly remember them building Bees Bowling over on Center, Center and Court in Flint. And that was, uh, I believe Bees was built in 1978, maybe 1979 when it opened. And I remember people discussing uh, the lanes, like, oh my god, they have synthetic lanes in there. No one wants to bowl there because everyone's used to bowling on wood lanes. And I remember thinking, man, I think I would like to bowl there. That's a pretty neat place. It's all brand new. And uh, it was probably early 80s when my team decided to go bowl at Bees Bowling on Saturday mornings. So it turns out bowling on Saturday morning at Bees Bowling was life-changing for me. Uh, and the reason was because the coaches that were at Bees Bowling at the time were Patty Kelly and Loretta During. Loretta had a huge impact on my bowling career and my life. So I'm bowling on Saturday morning with uh, my friends, neighbors, just having a good time. And I was going to Kersley High School and it I think it was in 10th grade, so it would have been about 1983 in 10th grade. I take a U.S. history class, and I get sat next to this guy named Sean Spishak. So him and I uh, talk a whole lot more bowling than we do U.S. history. Somehow we still did well in the class. But um, the competition that grew there between him and I um, inspired me to become a better bowler, to try to become a better bowler. and um, I'd like to think that it went both ways, but 
Um, Sean has always been a very good bowler. But him and I uh, started hanging out a lot, started bowling a lot. And Loretta was actually the one that said, hey, you know what, you're pretty good at this game. You should probably sign up for some tournaments. She actually got me signed up in some tournaments. And I, the one that I entered that was life-changing was um, we, we were trying to qualify to go to the Jerry Murphy National Tournament, which was in 1984. That tournament was held in Akron, Ohio, at the uh, same bowling alley where the Firestone Tournament of Champions was held for the PBA. And I remember entering that tournament thinking, man, I would really love to qualify to get to go to that. The people that were running that tournament were Bob Becklick and Linda Becklick. And I remember it being a grueling tournament, having the bowling, different bowling alleys, taking your total scores. And when it was all said and done, I actually qualified and got to go. So the guy that I got roomed with, the two guys that I had to room with were Dave Reno and Bob Tubbs. Tubby. So um, that's where we struck up the friendship on our trip to Akron, Ohio, back in 1984. And I remember riding in a van with Loretta During's daughter on the way to Akron, Ohio. And I remember Bob Tubbs telling me, this is probably the end of my bowling career. I graduated from high school. All of my friends are moving away. I don't have anybody to bowl with. And I said, hey, you can come bowl with me. And at the time, back then in the early 80s, the, um, the league that would be equivalent to today's high school league would be what we called the Travel League. We had a Sunday morning travel league that traveled all over uh, Genesee County, Lapeer County. And I remember going to bowling alleys like the Pitts, Lapeer Lanes. Um, we bowled a roll away. We, we traveled all over. Every Sunday morning, it was a different bowling alley. Uh, so I, I was back in the 80, 84, 85 time frame. We were bowling uh, every Saturday and every Sunday morning. And the Travel League was um, for the what was considered maybe the more advanced bowlers at the time. So it was very, very competitive. It was a great league um, to learn how to compete against some very good competition. I met a lot of great people, some that I still talk to to this day, bowling in the Travel League. Um, but that's uh, where the beginning of my bowling career and becoming competitive came from. Uh, from the mid-80s in 1986, that would be when I graduated from high school, that is also the year that they started MJMA. And I remember sitting down with Bob Tubbs and Sean Spishek and saying, hey, you know, we should look at bowling in these things. And Are we good enough to bowl in these? Should we try it? And I remember me and Tubby going down to Ark Sterling Lanes, which is now called Sterling Lanes, for one of the very first MJMA tournaments and meeting Dan Ottman and going there to compete. And I will never forget warming up. And at, if you bowl at Sterling Lanes, you you'll uh, know that there are two sides to it. Tubby was on one side, I was on the other side. We were warming up, and we both went, met each other in the middle, and both of us were thinking, like, wow, there are some really good bowlers out here. I don't know if we can compete. But after qualifying was done, we both made the cut. 
and uh, we were pretty consistent at making cuts. Um, never won an MJMA tournament, but at least we were consistent at competing in it. And we met some really cool people bowling MJMAs. I remember, uh, I remember meeting uh, a lot of people from the Detroit area that I would never would have met had it not been for MJMA. And I mean, what can you say about Dan Obman? What he did for bowling. Unfortunately, uh, he's not with us anymore. But MJMA is still going and still going strong with the same idea that Dan Oppen started it with back in 1986. And uh, I'm still honored to say that Tubby and I were a couple of the first guys from Greater Flint area to ever bowl in an MJMA tournament. Those were great tournaments, and there's been some very, very good bowlers that have come out of MJMA through the years. So it's 1986, and... I'm bowling MJMA. I'm thinking I'm halfway decent, but I know I need some help. I remember, I believe it was Char Smith who introduced me to Jim Menzing. So Jim Menzing, um, turns out, was a pretty darn good bowler. And he started working out with me. And he taught me a lot of things that I still use today. But after working out with Jim for... I'll say maybe a year of practicing with him. Um, he actually came to me and said, Hey, I think uh, I've taught you everything I can teach you. I think that you need to work with someone that knows a lot more than me. And that someone would be my brother-in-law, which was Jim Menzing's brother-in-law. And it happened to be Don Hargraves. So for anybody that knows uh, the history of bowling in the greater Flint area, I still believe myself Don Hargraves is probably one of the greatest bowlers that's ever bowled in the city of Flint. And I was shocked that Jim was going to introduce me to him and have me start practicing with Don Hargraves. So Jim introduced me to Don. Don invited me to come to some summer workouts that they were having. Don was going to start because he had had some interest from a few other people to have him start working with them. So I was honored. Uh, invited to go to a workout. I had to meet uh, Don Hargraves at Nightingale Lanes in the summer of uh, 1986-87 time frame. And the other guys that I worked out with were Paul Snyder and Jeff Wilson. So it was myself, Don Hargraves, Paul Snyder, and Jeff Wilson. We did this summer workout, which to me was absolutely incredible. And Don had us doing things that I didn't have any clue what I was doing, and I didn't actually learn what he was trying to teach me for quite a few years. It took me quite a few years for it to sink in that, why is Don having me do this? But a lot of what Jim Menzing taught me and Don Hargraves taught me came from those guys learning from guys like uh, Mac McKinnon, Steve Bisco, some of the old, old guys from uh, Flint Bowling even Howard Gilroy. Um, I know that a lot of the stuff that those guys taught people is stuff that I learned later on. It just took me years afterwards before I figured that out. So um, after working with Don for a summer, bowling the MJMA, um, I think it was 1987, 88 time frame. It was after I was in college at the time. I thought it was time to move out of the junior leagues and move into the men's leagues. And um, after that, 
the summer workouts with Don Hardgrave started including uh, people like uh, Bob Tubbs and Sean Spishek and uh, Bart Rutledge and um, there were several others that were also starting to work out with Don and those summer workouts became a, a big deal to a lot of people who were pretty serious about their bowling and I met a lot of really really great people um, used to hang out at Nightingale Lanes a lot back then uh, Bill Duff was the owner of the bowling alley and um, it was Tim Honecker was running the pro shop at uh, Nightingale Lanes at the time that's when I started getting a little more serious about my equipment trying to figure out you know how the equipment works what to do with it to make to make myself better so um, a lot of what Don Hargraves taught me through the years a lot of the things that I used when I was coaching high school bowling there is a lot of mental uh, techniques that he used to teach us that at the time when I was doing it I had no clue why he was making me do crazy things like he was making me do but uh, 30 years later I understood it and I passed a lot of that on to our high school team so a lot of the successes that I've had at coaching come from those guys back in the early days of learning how to bowl and a lot of it was at uh, Nightingale Lanes. Um, a little bowling history to add here at the end I know uh, Jim Tuber actually bought between uh, him, his dad and him ended up buying Richfield Bowl um, I believe it was 1989-1990 time frame that the Tubers took over uh, Richfield Bowl and uh, Richfield wasn't known as one of the better bowling alleys in Flint back then um, Nightingale was actually the place to be but uh, I can say this that the Tuber family definitely turned that around and after they installed the uh, synthetic lanes that place really really took off Richfield Bowl is what I'm talking about and um, they've since acquired Bees Bowling that uh, the combination between Richfield Bees and then also Nightingale back before it closed were I mean that was like the place to hang out on the east side of Flint anyways um, I've also bowled did a lot of bowling out the Colonial Lanes when I was younger in the mid 80s uh, we used to bowl at Northwest Bowl a lot there used to be a junior actually a junior singles league that started there in the late 80s at Northwest Bowl which is no longer open um, but also did a lot of bowling at uh, Town and Country Lanes which is now closed as well um, but just want to give you a little insight onto how I got to where I am uh, from the start uh, took you up through probably the mid 80s maybe into the early 90s when I started the bowl so maybe the next podcast I'll touch on uh, some of the bowling that I did on Friday nights at Nightingale um, did some did some pop bowling learned a lot of things about the game itself just by competing and watching how others compete and then uh, maybe I can work into some of the guys that I met the guys that I still talk to um, the people that I I learned a lot from in the game of bowling but just want to give you a little insight on that um, that's about it for for today's podcast uh, it's Friday night March 20th we're in the middle of a coronavirus where we're being told to stay home 
and I was looking for something to do. So figured I'd throw a podcast together here. Maybe in a few more days I'll try to throw together another one. And I'm going to work my way up to the time that I've been coaching high school bowling and some of the things that I've taught the kids through the years and maybe even how I ran the team so people will get an idea how how things went for me. So um, hope you uh, hope you enjoyed this one. It's a little bit longer than the first one and uh, probably going to be about the average time for most of them. So thanks for listening. Have a good night. Take care.